0: Hosea, chapter 1 and verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through the prophet Hosea, God said to him, and here comes some of the most shocking words God ever said to anybody, go and marry a prostitute. Or the word there could mean promiscuous person. Now, I, I've had a couple friends, as you may have, who have suffered through having uh, gone through being cheated on by the one they love most. And it is, it is agonizing, truly traumatic, that day that maybe they're scrolling through the phone text and realize that their worst fears are confirmed. So why? Why would a loving God ever suggest something that would cause his prophet? Who is, who's pleasing to him, his young prophet Hosea, so much pain. Well, God tells him. He says, this will illustrate how Israel, meaning my, my people, God's saying, has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And the sexual imagery there is very shocking But it's apropos, because in the worship of those other gods, there was always prostitution. So it's as if God is saying to Hosea, Hosea, your marriage is going to be like a reality series that shows what's really going on between my people and me. And in this drama, which everyone will watch, your wife, Gomer is her name, will be acting out the part of my people who are unfaithful to me. They're unloving to me. They, They say one day, you mean everything to me, and the next day, they're out the back door for some rendezvous. And Hosea, in this painful, prophetic message from your life, you will take my part. Your heart will be broken like mine is you too will feel the sting and the humiliation as your beloved turns away from you. And you will go through what I go through, this excruciating internal wrestling match of love and anger and hurt and hope and then around again. So Hosea does it. He marries Gomer, and before too long, she is pregnant with a son. And then she has a daughter, and then she has another son. But with each child, it's never quite clear whether Hosea is the dad or whether it's someone else that Gomer found. And as Hosea lies awake at night, sharing in God's broken heart, he utters words that speak to the people of God then and that still speak to God's people, including tonight, right here. As we start Lent, this time of repentance and restoration, is all well in our relationship with the Lord? It may be, praise the Lord. Or is that in need of some work? Because Hosea tells us exactly what it is that causes our relationship with God to break down. And he also tells us how that can be made right again. I'll summarize his message in in three key words. The first word is vanishes, vanishes. It's in verse four of our text tonight. God says, O Israel and Judah, What should I do with you as the Lord? For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. Our love for God vanishes. And it's not like in the movies where somebody like disappears like that. It's more like the way the morning mist gradually lifts and, and clears away as the sun comes out. It's gradual. It's sort of like your photo from first grade you never noticed that it was fading but if you pull it out now it's faded right the late henry Noun wrote this prayer in his journal and i wonder if you connect with it the way i did as as one of those ways that our love for god begins to vanish or fade henry writes uh he wrote i am still so divided I truly want to follow you, God, but I also want to follow my own desires and lend an ear to the voices that speak about prestige, success, pleasure, power, and influence. This came right at the time where he was so lauded at Harvard, but he felt empty inside. And God was actually calling him to go and end up as an adult caregiver in a community for people with disabilities, adults with disabilities. But he was wrestling. I love you, God. I want to follow you. But, but, and as our love starts to fade, we lose that ability to, uh, to hear the whispers of God. That's an early warning sign. Oswald Chambers said, I show God my lack of love and respect for him by the insensitivity, not meaning unkindness, but the lack of awareness of my heart and mind toward what he says. What hinders me from hearing is my attention to other things. It's not that I don't want to hear God, but I'm devoted to things, and I'm devoted even to service for God, and I'm devoted to my own convictions. And so God may say whatever he wants, but I just don't hear him. So where is your love for God tonight as, as we're here on the cusp of land? Are you, are you still listening closely? Is that something you have in your life and you want in your life? Or has your love started to, started to vanish? Maybe some of you have gone through some very hurtful times, and so your love for God is there, but honestly, it's not effusive. It's tamped down. And that's okay. That's part of the journey. But are you opening yourself back to God as best you can, even in your hurt? Or maybe there's an area in your life, and it might not have even been there a year ago at Ash Wednesday, where you really know this is not good for me. This is not good for my relationship with God. This thing that is uh, habit, practice, whatever that has come into my life But my situation's an exception. And you're telling yourself, my situation's an exception. So whenever our love for God starts to vanish, which is pretty much what the Bible calls idolatry, so does our love for others, which is pretty much what the Bible calls injustice. Idolatry and injustice always, always go together. Micah, uh, excuse me, Hosea says this, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you saying, there's no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows, you break them, you kill, you steal, you commit adultery. And God is saying, don't you see? You go off to these other shrines of other gods who are not gods of justice. And then inevitably, what breaks down is how you treat other people maybe you read as I did the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration uh, did their annual report on 2020 which was the first big year of COVID and as we would expect miles driven by Americans in 2020 dropped by 13 percent I would have thought maybe even more but 13 percent it was down and so you would also expect that the number of crash fatalities would also have gone down 13 percent they actually went up 7%. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why would that be? And here's their report Impaired driving, speeding, and failure to wear a seatbelt. Which I'm no expert, but it sounds like to me, I'm so stressed under COVID right now, I no longer care about you. I'm not calling the cab, I'm not putting on my belt. <laughs> forget you now if you're feeling like this right now since i'm speaking as a priest i need to say hosea specially singles out the religious leaders he says clear out since you priests refuse to know me i refuse to recognize you as my priests and he says their false religion will devour them along with their wealth Now, can we all just say, I mean, too many church leaders in our day have had their love for God vanish. And what's taken its place? A love for church size, a love for attention, a love for cultural influence, right? And inevitably, what vanishes along with the love for God is the love for others. Whenever you have the idolatry, the injustice comes in. And so many, many people in our culture today think, not without reason, that the word Christian means, you don't care about my health. You don't care about people who are oppressed. You don't care about people on the margins of life. You care about your church and your attendance. It's really painful. So the word that we need to hear if we wanna make progress in our relationship with God, really the first word is vanishes. And that's hard. Nobody likes that word. But as marriage counselors say, it might get harder before it gets better. Now, if our our love for God has been fading, we can move to the second word, which is return. Isaiah's second word to us is return. In our text tonight, you'll see it there in chapter six and verse one. Come, let us return to the Lord. We used to know him. We used to love him. Oh, that we might know the Lord, it says in verse three. Let us press on to know him. What came to my mind as I was seeing that, those words press on, is like imagine you're on this long bike ride, longer than you would normally ride, and you're almost back home, but you're getting super tired. And you're thinking, I don't know if I can make it all the way back home. I think I'm just going to pull over here and call an Uber. You know? But you're, 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 as you're wondering if you, can, if you should stop, your friend says, come on. We can do this. Let's press on. And in our return to God, are we willing to press on? It takes effort. It takes some effort. On a bike, it takes pressing two pedals. And in returning to God, Hosea says it's, it's pressing on these two things. The first pedal is confessing. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, he says, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. And we're going to do some confessing tonight. What do you need to confess to God? What do you need to confess to somebody else, perhaps? That's the first petal. But confessing, as good as that is, is only one of the pedals. The other one is changing. Changing. Changing how we treat people. Through Hosea, God says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Now, God is the one who set up the sacrificial system. He's not saying they're a bad idea, He's saying there's something even more important than that how you treat others. Or He says, come back to your God, act with love and justice. Now, the word justice gets used a lot today, and oftentimes it's misused or it means sort of what the speaker wants it to mean. But what Hosea means by justice, as far as I can tell, goes something like this. Injustice, injustice is when you or I accept that that person's problem is their problem. And we make our peace with that. I feel bad for you, I do, but that's just the way it is. And I have an advantage maybe in life, but my advantage is my advantage. I may feel guilty about that, but that's just the way it is. And injustice is when we live with that reality. And justice is the opposite. Justice is when I say, your problem is my problem too. I cannot live if you've got that problem. That's when justice begins and I have this advantage, then it's your advantage too. I will use whatever social capital, resources, whatever I have to try to benefit you. One reason I'm actually really excited about this year's uh, Good Friday gift is that it includes this, it captures this amazing sense of biblical justice. Um, we, We live here in DuPage County, one of the wealthiest counties in the country, And that's amazing and wonderful. It's also stressful, right? Here's looking at you, real estate taxes. But most of us, because we have education and because we have jobs, we get to enjoy the good things here, like abundant health care or going out to eat at at a good restaurant. Meanwhile, many of our neighbors don't. They just don't because they have limitations that keep them from getting a job. And you go, how could anybody not get a job here right now in this economy? guess what many of the people uh, our neighbors that are helped by the employment opportunity center which is what we're going to help are homeless many of them don't know english or they don't know it very well many of them have disabilities or special needs that make it very hard for them to get the typical job so justice says your problem is my problem too if you are below the poverty level then, and I'm not, then I want to help you, right? And so whatever gifts that you decide to give to the Employment Opportunity Center, which, by the way, is led by our longtime ministry partner, Outreach, uh, that Deacon Sandy works so faithfully in, it, what it will do is it will help people on the margins of the economy get training and practical job skills, interviewing skills, resume help, all that kind of stuff, inter- paid internships, so that they can work their way into getting a job. That's returning to God. That is peddling home. That is when we change. Now, Which leads us to the third and final word. The first two words were for us. Are we aware that our love for God may have vanished? Be vanishing. And the second word is return. But the third word is God's word. It's restore. By this point, considering how our love for God does fluctuate, vacillate, vanish, and how we struggle to confess and change, we would expect God to kind of say, this is not working and write us off. But God chooses another way. Chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. God will restore us. He will take us back. He will let us live in his presence. And once again, Hosea lives out in his own life what God is saying. By now, apparently, Gomer has left him. And she's moved out to go live her crazy but things apparently have not gone well for her because she's now run up so much debt that she's got only one option left, which is to be sold as a slave. Now, most people in Hosea's sandals would feel too bad, so sad for you. You spurn me, you cheat on me, I take you back, you walk out. Maybe now you're getting what your life choices have led you to but God is not most people. God says to Hosea, "Uh, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Wow. The late great Haddon Robinson picks up the story and tells it this way. He says, in the ancient world, slavery was an established institution. Every major city had a place where men and women would be bought and sold like animals. And he says that historians report that at some auctions, the people being auctioned were actually stripped of their clothes. So the buyers could figure out what they're buying, which happened in our own country. Okay, so But anyway, it was to such a place, Robinson says, that Gomer was taken and to such a place that Hosea was called to go. You can imagine the scene. Gomer led up to the slave block. And then folks notice that out on the edge of the crowd, there's her husband, Hosea. I mean, you can hear the gossip, he says. Well, he's come to see her get what she deserves. Here to see her get her punishment, and be sold into slavery. And then the bidding begins. Someone says, I'll give you 10 pieces of silver for her. Somebody else says, I'll give you 12. And Hosea says, I'll give you 15. The gavel sounds and Hosea pushes forward to buy his ex-wife. But he doesn't buy her to punish her. He buys her to redeem her. Hosea is saying something like, I have bought you and now I want you to live with me. I want you to be faithful to me. I promise you, whether you're faithful to me or not, I will be faithful to you. Come, let us return to the Lord and he will restore us and we will hear those words from God. As he says in Hosea, my heart is torn with me within me and my compassion overflows. I will not come to destroy. I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as the Lord. Amen.